There are things like that. There, there are always these little corners of our careers that we thought were essential at one point that we have to kind of re-examine and start uh, looking at from a different angle. Hello, this is Stephen Campbell, and you are listening to The Author Biz, where we discuss meaningful ways to get better results with your author business. As authors, we're the CEOs of our own author businesses, and one of the most discussed challenges that we all face, myself certainly included, as I record this intro at 5.02 a.m. on the morning the podcast is due to be released, is finding the time. The time to write, the time to market our work, the time to deal with content creation, things like this podcast, time to think, to plan, to manage the teams we've put together to manage our businesses, time to address the problem of managing all our stuff, and something that's really easy to forget under the press of deadlines, prioritizing time to spend with your loved ones. Today's guest is Kevin Tumlinson, and he calls himself a wordslinger. He's an author, a daily blogger, which is something that's fairly recent for him, and he's a podcast host. He's written dozens of novels and nonfiction books, and he helps entrepreneurs and authors build and grow their businesses through better writing. In this episode, we discuss the idea of reducing the number of things we need to worry about, essentially narrowing our focus to only those things that move our businesses and our lives forward. Before we get to that, I'd like to thank author Dave Holman for leaving a very generous review for the show on iTunes. Among other things, Dave says that I, as the host, am genuinely curious about how authors do what they do, asking well-informed questions that help listeners explore each author's strategy and tactics. Dave says he's taken dozens of pages from the Author Biz playbook for his own book, Coffee Smuggler, and he keeps tuning in to learn more about how to be a successful author. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time to navigate through the maze that is leaving a review at iTunes. I appreciate it very much. As always, we'll have show notes for the episode with links to everything we mention at the AuthorBiz website. While you're there, please subscribe to the email list and get a weekly update of news and resources that will help you make the most of your author business. All right. Let's get to it, shall we? All right, Kevin Tumlinson, welcome to the Author Biz. Uh, thank you. And I talked over you there for a second. I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were jumping in. That's, I, I that's quite all right. The two <laughs> professional podcasters here going at it. And of course, we were chatting before we got started, and I just went with it. So, what the heck? Yeah. Welcome. It's it's a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, Before we get started, uh, tell people about the three podcasts you do, because I do three as well, (laughs) and it is insane. Yeah, it is insane. And you know as well as I do that um, the the production side of the podcast is the hardest part. Yes. Yeah, I do. um, So I have my show, which is the Wordslinger podcast, which is primarily focused on uh, entrepreneurs. I talk to a lot of authors, but I I try to keep it pretty broad because that show is literally uh, my way to reach out and touch you know, people in different industries and learn more about how they're doing what they do. And then I have the Self-Publishing Answers podcast, which I co-host with um, best-selling authors, actually, Nick Thacker and Justin Sloan. Um, and we give advice to people who are in the self-publishing industry, which is, you know, a growing and booming industry, as you, you 
may be aware. <laughs> I may <laughs> have heard then, that. Uh, <laughs> I also co-host um, the Creative Writing Career Podcast with Justin Sloan and Stefan Bugai, who is uh, formerly from Pixar. And that's really all about um, – It's the, the premise of the show is all things creative writing. So if you've ever wanted to write for games, for film, for television, or anything that you might consider creative, novels included, uh, we talk to people in those industries and we – we offer up our advice, and we've got some pretty smart people on the show, so that's a been a fun one. <laughs> well, I've I have heard the um, Wordslinger podcast, and it's it's excellent, by the way. I, I will link to all three of them in the show notes. But I, mean, I I I bring this up in the beginning. Of course, you're also an author. You write yes. you write fiction. You write nonfiction. Uh, you have a wife. You have a life. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing all these things can become a challenge. And one of the things that you're doing that I found fascinating, I heard you on a podcast with Joanna Penn, uh, right. the Creative Penn Podcast, and I'll link to that one as well. But you are downsizing your life so that you can, you can do some other things. And right. downsizing sort of a two-step process so you can work your way from the house to an apartment where you are now, mm-hmm. eventually to a, an RV. Uh, you and your wife will travel around full-time. Right. So. In order to do those things and to write and to podcast and to do all the other things that we do in life, we have to give up other things. Right. Uh, we have to narrow our focus a bit. So in the case of moving from the house to the apartment and then eventually to the RV, it's fairly simple uh, what we have to give up. It, it's not simple to do yeah, it's it, but stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's fairly <laughs> simple to understand what it is we're giving up. You gave up a studio. In right, this first move, you had a podcasting yeah. studio. Now you're sitting kitchen table, a, maybe a it looks very like nice kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you given up in in terms of schedule to be able to do three podcasts and and keep your writing? What things are you not doing that you used to do? Um, you know, I, I've I've become a lot more discerning about the the type of uh, client work I take on because I I still do a bit of copywriting work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting a lot more. Uh, I, I, I'm blocking some of that now, I, and it's kind of painful at times because that work has been a mainstay of my mm-hmm. career for years, since I was 12 years old, practically. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of backing off on some of that. I'm turning down offers to do certain things. Um, some speaking, you know, I have a tendency to take any speaking engagement that's offered to mm-hmm. me, paid, unpaid. I, I, I don't mind. I like talking to people about this stuff. So, uh-huh. I'm, what I'm finding is I'm kind of having to back off on some of that. So there are things like that. There, there are always these little corners of our careers um, that, you know, we thought were essential at one point that we have to kind of reexamine and start uh, looking at from a different angle. Now, wh- one of the things that I've gone through over the course of the last couple of years is uh, I-, I started another podcast, so up to three the way you are, and I found for me that the deadline nature of podcasting made it difficult to keep up with the non-deadline nature of indie publishing and indie writing. How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, first of all, I have deadlines. Okay. Um, so, well, and it's a little different because what I do is I have daily word counts. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't necessarily have a deadline for release on a book, but I do know every day how many words I have to put down before I can turn in for the night. So that helps me. It's That's the one of the primary ways that I organize the the book writing part of my business, mm-hmm. I recently started blogging every single day. So that's I like another that. thing. <laughs> so you just keep adding to the mix. 
Well, you know, that's what entrepreneurs do, right? Uh-huh. We just keep adding and adding and adding and never taking anything away. But um, we, uh, you know, that I felt like that was essential. Frankly, I did that because Seth Godin told me to. Seth Godin made me feel guilty about it, so I had to start doing it. <laughs> and I, I know you and I both listened to the same podcast, and, and that is um, yes. Tim Ferriss's interview with Seth exactly. Godin, which I think is maybe the single best podcast I've ever heard. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's very well done, and uh, I'm actually – I just recently invited uh, Tim Ferriss to be on my show, so we'll see if that pans out. I'm, I'm putting social pressure on him. To, uh, <laughs> if anyone knows him, you got you to gotta ha- harass him and hound him until he's on my show. And it, it, ha- it couldn't have been easy for Tim. It took him two hours to get Seth to break down and, and talk about yes. some of his daily routine, which he inevitably refuses to do during podcasts right. because he right. doesn't want people trying to mimic what he's doing because it won't help. Exactly, and then I go and do exactly what he's doing. <laughs> well, yeah, you and you and me, and uh, probably a gazillion other people that listen to that podcast. Right. But, well, I'll confess though that the um, deciding to blog every day was more a decision about uh, main, sort of maintaining an edge and and keeping myself organized, mm-hmm. uh, and also for the marketing and promotion of of the work. Uh-huh. Um, because let's face it, I mean, as a, we know as marketers. You know, the value of search engine optimization, you know that your discoverability goes up with the mm-hmm. more content you produce. I'm a born content producer, and if, if the fact that I wasn't already blogging every day was kind of a crime because it, you know, it's something I preach to people. But I already did daily writing. I already I keep a journal. I keep, you know, affirmations. I, I have a whole process. I even talk about it in, in 30 Day Author. It's mm-hmm. It's important to do that. And I literally say in 30 Day Author, if you can blog every day, that's going to be your best tool because you can market yourself, uh, maybe not blatantly, you know, don't, don't throw things in people's face, but it's a chance for you to, you know, hone that craft, get better at it, develop it as a habit while also promoting yourself and building an audience. So it's one of the best tools you can put in your arsenal. Let's talk about your priorities right now. Okay. Now that you've got the daily blogging, you've got the daily word count, you've right. got three podcasts, um, right. and, and I know what goes into being involved in three podcasts, and it's an enormous uh, amount of work. From a priority standpoint, I also know from reading your blog that you're a man of, of faith. And yeah. so let, let's assume that the, the top two in, in any particular order would be family and faith. Right. Uh, what comes next? Uh, the writing is always the top priority from there. Okay, so, is it blog writing, novel writing, <laughs> you nonfiction don't even writing? Down the kind of writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the books are are the thing that um, that's the career that I've decided to, to build for myself. Right, mm-hmm. so that takes priority over everything else. It's not the very first thing I'll do because I've got a process. Mm-hmm. Um, I warm up to the book and then I write the book. But the uh, all of that to me is all part of the same. Um, same ball of wax, really. I mean, when I'm writing in my journal each day, and I use Day One, which is a great journaling app, um, you know, that's a, a warm up that gets my brain in gear. That's that's the cue to my brain to say it's writing time. Mm-hmm. When I write a blog post, same thing, and I get these sort of disconnected ideas out of the way, uh, so that I can get to the priority, which is to sit down and put down my word count for the book. So that's the order in which I do it. It's not the order of priority necessarily, but from there, you know, the rest of the, my, I, that's my morning basically. That's right mm-hmm. up to about 11 or so. And then, you know, podcasting, uh, I schedule interviews, uh, they go all over the place because of everyone's availability, but right. I try to keep my interviews in the afternoons if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Wednesdays, 
it's all about podcasting with uh, Justin. Uh, Thursdays, it's all about recording, pre-recording Wordslinger episodes, getting those you know scheduled and produced. And then Fridays, it's all about self-publishing answers. Okay, <laughs> a quick, <laughs> quick uh, podcasting, a geeky question: How long yeah. does it for each uh, for each live minute of audio it, preparation, production, recording? How much time does it take? Okay, so are we counting the actual interview in that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, now the interviews, if you if you factor in, you know, finding the guest and booking them, and then uh, prepping for that, uh, you know, the I do one hour interviews, forty five minute interviews mm-hmm. actually. Uh, so uh, there's that time. Uh, so you can figure about an hour there. You can figure about um, two hours on production, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, and I in that those two hours of production there is the. Uh, the written side of that, you know, I do the, I, I use uh, Canva to create graphics for the show. I write the description. I do all this stuff myself. I'm insane. I, I, I keep threatening to get like a VA and never do it. Um, so I probably put maybe three to five hours minimum into a show uh, mm-hmm. each week, into each episode. And that's each show. Each show, yeah. And I tend typically try to produce three shows in advance. So okay, that's fifteen hours out of the week. <laughs> yeah, and I am. I have the author biz. I shoot for thirty minutes. It usually winds up at forty-five. Yeah. And and for me, it's about four minutes of production for each minute of of audio with with all of the things that you mentioned. The other two shows I do are shorter. They they're average around fifteen minutes. So mm-hmm. they don't take nearly as much time. But when you add it all up, it, it's a great yeah. deal of time. It takes a lot of time. And and you know I I'm blessed in that um, Nick produces self publishing answers and Justin produces creative writing career. And if it weren't for that, mm-hmm. I don't know that I could do three shows total. Um, unless I did keep them very short. And I am considering adding another podcast on a completely different topic <laughs> uh, because, you know, that's what we do. We, right. <laughs> once we get into this, we just keep producing podcasts. Um, but, you know, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of help and inspiration in this, uh, really. I mean, I know tons of people who are very supportive of this mm-hmm. and I could turn things over if I need to, but. I did recently add um, podcasting as a kind of side to my business, like a, I produce something on behalf of someone else. Uh-huh. And that's a little different because someone's handing me money, and that sure frees up time, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. It does. It does. All right. So that's we, – we've talked about the writing that's mm-hmm. the morning, uh, podcasting in the afternoon. Um, yes. you've, you've still got to be doing uh, – you're, you're still doing some content creation for other people, some copywriting. When, when does that get done? I am kind of trimming that down, so it's, that's helping. But um, w- essentially, my best writing time is the morning. Mm-hmm. So if I have uh, copywriting that I need to do for a client, um, I, it usually ends up getting done in that time. So I, I tend to kind of squeeze some of the other writing time. I will come back to the, the books are the priority. So mm-hmm. if I haven't hit my word count for that day, then later in the evening, I've got to segment off some time and finish my word count before I can turn in. So that's the priority. So um, nothing suffers when I have to do the additional work. It's just nice when I can just focus on the books. <laughs> and then you've got uh, you've got time with your wife. Yes, and uh, you, you're planning this incredible life change. I mean, right. This is not something that you can just say, hey, we're going to go do this and then start doing it in, in a couple of days. It's a big deal. Right. A bigger deal than we anticipated, actually, because originally it was, let's sell the house and buy an RV and get on the road. Uh-huh. I, I, I think we probably could have done that. But once we 
once we actually sold the house, we realized, okay, we're nowhere near ready. Mm-hmm. We still own way too much stuff. We still, you know, there's a lot of downsizing to do physically, but I think we also needed some mental preparation and downsizing. Like there's a lot about our lives that is far too broad and far too scattered that we need to kind of rein in and pull in. So we're working on that now. now- <laughs> um, and then the goal and we have a timeline, but it's flexible because uh, we're we're working with a financial advisor now to kind of just make sure everything's going to go very smoothly financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a smart play, um, you know. And he's he's advised, you know, well maybe maybe by uh, October of this year, twenty sixteen, or if you want to, you know, accomplish these financial goals first, then it'll be maybe mid. 2017, you know, and so the the goal is still there, and there's like a gap or leeway of maybe you know five or six months in there. So, all right. So once once you actually get on the road, right, uh, your life will be to a certain extent uh, very similar because you're yes. you're writing. You're probably right. going to be doing podcasts from inside the the the, the camper, or you'll find right. some other place to do it. Um, I'm assuming that that things will be a little bit different for your wife. And before we get into that. Um, how how compressed do you think things will be, and and will it be easier for you? Because all of the rest of it's done. You're just you're in the camper, and and the next planning stage is where are we going next? Maybe, but right. it's the the time spent trying to figure it all out is is has is done. Right. That's that's part of the that's really the, sort of the whole point of 2016. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, is is pre planning all that. Um, we have a strategy for how I'll do podcasting. We have a strategy for how I'll do the writing. Um, Kara is um, her career is kind of up in the air at this point, but mm-hmm. you know we, we we may be in a position. It looks like we might be in a position where my writing income can support the two of us, and mm-hmm. she can go pursue whatever her mountain is. Um, which is you know I'm happy to support that. <laughs> After all the support she's given me, I'm mm-hmm. thrilled to be able to return the the favor. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of pre-planning in this, um, and there's going to be a great deal more. There are still questions that we have to answer. Uh, you know, Wi-Fi and internet—that's that's still a big question mark because yeah. even with uh, mobile Wi-Fi solutions, I mean, you could end up paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars every month to, if we continued using the internet the way we use it now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very expensive uh, couple of years, but we're working on things like that. There's new solutions pop up every day. We're very hopeful that you know. By the time we hit the road, that'll be a non-issue. <laughs> and there are always coffee shops and things like there that always, for, yeah. uh, for those immediate needs. But, but the idea of being able to condense everything down and, and really narrow your focus to uh, – for you, for your writing, podcasting, and I, I, essentially I guess that'll be it for you, yeah. uh, your wife, you know, whatever she chooses to do at that time. Uh, how, how much better do you think that will make you as a writer? Uh, for the, for a start, I mean, travel has always been a muse for mm-hmm. me. So whenever we've traveled, I've always ended up writing a book about the experience, like seriously traveled, you know, hit mm-hmm. Paris, hit, you know, Bruges or something like that. And, um, whenever we have those experiences, you know, even if I don't write a book, I come away with this flavor for what we, where we were and the people we met and the cultures we encountered. And it, it just adds something to the writing. Uh, I love inspirational writing. I do a lot of that on my blog. Mm-hmm. You may have noticed I, 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 you know, hit on a concept and find a metaphor and expand on that. Mm-hmm. And that stuff comes from the, that kind of exposure. So I think it'll improve the writing exponentially. Um, you know, not 
not in terms of craft, you know, and I can, everyone can always, you know, adjust their craft, right? Mm -hmm. We can always improve our craft. But I think in terms of flavor and tone and timber of the work, uh, you're going to see incredible things come out of that. I hope. That's my goal anyway. But the other work, the podcasting, that will mm-hmm. also improve. I mean, I, I'll encounter new people. I'll encounter new environments. Um, you know, I plan to do a lot more live uh, broadcasts um, when we start when we get on the road. So, and you'll have a, a more interesting personal story to tell yeah. through podcasts and through exactly. writing and, I mean, and from through a public speaking. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all, you know, this whole. Um, youpreneur kind of thing that we're all involved in with personal branding, being the writer who's out there in a camper separates you from everyone else. Right. And let's, let's face one fact. I mean, your, your career, your life, everything about you, uh, can only improve when you go bold. I mean, when Mm -hmm. you decide, you know, there's a, there's a bigger world out there that I can be a part of, Mm -hmm. You can grow exponentially as an author, as a painter, as a, you know, I don't know, whatever your career happens to be. I mean, even if, if you're going to go back and, uh, you know, to a career in uh, welding back home, mm-hmm. you can be a, a more artistic welder. And the, that all comes from taking a few risks. Uh, we tend to get on one path and decide this is what I'm going to do and this is the only way it can be done. And we ignore all the little rabbit trails that go off to the side. And right now in my life, I'm trying to chase down some of those rabbit trails and figure out if there's a better way or something more enjoyable <laughs> that I can add to my life. Now, does, does the idea of – well, let me, let me rephrase the question. When you were living in the house, yes, you had all the possessions, you had the things, the cars. Right. Um, l- let's say your expenses were X. Right. When you're traveling – Will your expenses be a percentage of X or um, um, a multiple of X? No, actually, uh, it, it will be our, – our overhead goes down dramatically. Um, it's already gone down dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of just maintenance alone, I mean, once a year I had to re- you know, have the air conditioner fixed in that house right. because something was wrong. So that's a few thousand dollars a year I'm not spending. You know? um, anyone who thinks they're going to get on the road and it's going to just save them tons of money is, mm-hmm. is fooling themselves because there are still expenses. I mean, there is fuel, of mm-hmm. course, and then you're eating. Uh, you have a tendency, we have, uh, uh, what, you know, what they refer to as travel diet. You know, everyone gets on the road. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a vacation, so uh-huh. I want to eat in all these restaurants. So mm-hmm. I want, I, we want to watch that kind of thing. Um, and that's part of the reason why we're doing this in an RV instead of just traveling and going to hotels or or bed and breakfast or something like that is because there's a, we can have an established home life, Mm -hmm. even though it's mobile, it's, it's still that bit of stability we can use, um, to build out. But, um, I think in terms of overhead and expense, I think it'll go down dramatically. Um, you know, some of these campgrounds, I mean, you, you can get into like KOA campgrounds or something that are very, you know, some of them are very nice. They, They now have three grades of these things. And one of them is the resort grade, <laughs> and they're not, you know, trim- the 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 monthly or nightly costs on these aren't dramatically different. Um, so if you budget for that and you you figure, well, that would be rent on an apartment or a house payment, mm-hmm. um, you're actually paying quite a bit less to live in those spaces, and they typically come with utilities and or reduced rate utilities or something. Uh, and then, but just in terms of uh, here, where we live now, uh, we live in the Houston, Texas area. I live in Sugarland, Texas. Um, branching out from here to explore anywhere else in the in the world is a tremendous effort and expense mm-hmm. because 
look on a map. I mean, we're it takes you a full you're day. You're in the middle of everything. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you're, you're, not go, you're not getting, you know, when if I were on the East Coast, I could be in a completely different state in an hour. Mm-hmm. Here, I, I've barely left Houston if I've driven for an hour. So, um, you know, we're a big place. And so there's a huge expense in just moving around. Once we're kind of on the road, um, we get to expose ourselves to more of the world at a lower rate. So we're doing that anyway. We're going to spend the money and we're going to travel. I'm going to expose myself to as many experiences as I can, but now it's going to cost me a little less in overhead. So, And it's not just exposing yourself to an experience for a few days. I mean, if, no. if you find a place you like, you can stay for a period of time. My parents, you and I were talking before we came on the air, and my parents did exactly what you're doing when right. uh, they were 50. My father retired. They bought an Airstream and took off. Um, and they wound up in Salt Lake City or outside of Salt Lake City mm-hmm. and developed an interest in uh, genealogy. And uh, there is a, a library there or some sort of a facility that's one right. of the best places in the country for that. So they just stayed until they were done. They had no deadline, no pressure to go anywhere else. That, was, that became their job for several months, and, right. and they loved it. And that's – that's the way they did things. They'd have appointments to meet people in different places, but once they right. got there, they may stay, you know, for a week or right. six months. Well, and that's the advantage of this kind of travel. Um, and I don't know how you would label this living travel or something, you know, where um, you are able to, your home goes with you. So you instantly gain access to all these resources that, you know, you never would have had access to before. You know, we can drive, uh, you know, we can you know, park somewhere close enough that I can go to the Library of Congress every mm-hmm. day if I want or um, check out, you know, the the life and uh, the resources that are available to me in New York City or L.A. or, you know, Denver. And uh, that's one of the great things about this is this sort of fluid um, sort of sense of place. Like we can – everywhere we are is home. So, right. you know, we don't we – don't, we're not straying away and feeling homesick. We're – you know, we're just changing our view and changing our front lawn. <laughs> you know, I, I'm in the middle of something now where, where a setting is like two and a half hours from here. And right. I need to go over and spend a day to confirm that my memory is correct with all of these things. But I, I, I think as I'm talking to you, how much nicer it would be to go over and just spend a couple weeks yeah. and write all those scenes while I'm in the middle of it and just be able right. to get up in the morning and pop over to wherever that scene is and, and just absorb it. Right. Uh, a great example of that, I, I wrote um, Evergreen. It was one of my most mm-hmm. popular um, fiction novels. And um, I was in New York City. I spent some time in Manhattan. Uh, prior to that, the only experience I had with New York was film and TV. So I could have written a lot of the scenes that I wrote, and they would, probably would have read just fine. But because I had been there, I didn't name any specific locations. I didn't describe anything, you know, literally. Mm-hmm. But what I had was the sort of, you know, ambient noise of the place. I had the the nuances uh, that you can only feel when you're there, and you're there for more than a weekend. So it was, uh, you know, that sort of travel has been great for my work. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when uh, I don't feature a place specifically, you know, I wrote a big chunk of the Citadel series while sitting under the Eiffel Tower in Paris. That's Amazing, uh-huh. right? There's not a scene <laughs> that involves Paris in any of those books, but there is a, a sort of you know, nod to it in a way, a spiritual nod. And that stuff only comes about when you get to spend time in a place and become a part of the culture in, in even just a small way. 
What was the trigger for the idea of, of doing this, the whole downsizing idea? Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to pinpoint a single trigger. Uh, it was actually pretty amazing to me because this was something I brought up early in our marriage. I actually mm-hmm. talked to uh, my wife, Kara, about the idea of you know, uh, buying an RV or whatever. And her exact you know, words of when I brought that up were, well, that sounds really attractive. And it, that wasn't a positive statement. <laughs> Um, however, over time, as we have moved around uh, and the ideas come up again and again, I think she came to a realization um, that we could have this, this tremendous freedom that um, we don't have by owning a house, by mm-hmm. being locked in one location with a day job or whatever. Um, and we realize there's a whole lot of dreamer involved in this, by the way. You know, this isn't like anyone can just go out and do this. Why, why is everyone wasting their time? We realize there's some planning and plotting and preparing that has to go into this but she came to me one day she literally just walked in the house walked in my office and said why don't we sell the house and get an rv uh which floored me and so you know that was quite a while back now because it took time to get the house ready get it on the market get it sold you know these things these things tend to take a lot more time than you anticipated but um i'd say the motivation for it and the impetus for it was Really just, you know, the more we traveled, the more we, we realized, you know, we always asked ourselves, what would life be like if we lived in this place? Mm-hmm. And we always wanted to spend more time there than just the, you know, few days or week that we were there. So really that was the motivation was how do we get out there and, and spend more time and be a part of these different cultures? And there are so many cultures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't think of all these microcultures that are in the United States alone, but there's so yeah. many of so. We want to be a part of that and experience that. Was there ever a sense for either of you that these things that we have, you know, whether it's uh, the the furniture in the guest bedroom that right. no one's ever using, or right. uh, you know, the 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 fourth couch, what, whatever it may be, um, you know, these these things are becoming a burden and they're holding us back and keeping us from the the life that we want to lead. That's exactly how we. That's exactly how I've felt. Um, I know Kara started to feel feel that way somewhat. We, we There have been uh, some moments where it was a little difficult to let go of something and you, you sort of, that's when it really hits you. Like, I, I think, I've told this story before, but, you know, my wife has this bed that her grandmother left her. Not a bed frame, not a headboard and footboard, but mm-hmm. a, an old box spring mattress, you know. And uh, my instinct was always, you know, we should just get, donate that. It's it's not doing us any good. We it, we don't have room for it. It's there's no sentimental attachment to it. Uh, but it was simply something her grandmother left her, so she, you know, she refused to let go of it. Things like that, you start to realize after a while, that's what's weighing you down. No mm-hmm. one else in our family wants that thing. No one. We're literally paying money to store it because no one else wants it. But it has no practical or sentimental value for us. So why are we holding on to it? <laughs> and there are a lot of things like that. Um, I, I've been going through, you know, one of, the, one of the things that held me up for the longest time was, you know, my book collection, you know, because mm-hmm. writers read and we have tons of books. And I still have tons of books. But as um, digital has, has made it possible for me to replace those books and store them on one small pocketable device, you know, I, I've – Logically, I should be able to get rid of those other books, but the sentimental attachment, you know, holds me back. Well, now I've got a literal weight uh, that I have to drag around, and if I want to travel, I have to get past the idea of sentimentality on that, and I have to, you know, get rid of those things. So it's been challenging, but what's fun, what's interesting, I take this load of 
books, for example, to uh, half price books here in, in Houston area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I sell these books. My heart hurts the whole time I'm watching. These I hear you. <laughs> but when it's done and I walk out and I've got a little bit of change in my pocket now, not a lot. Um, the the feeling of just I, I'm light now. I'm just I'm, I'm I can walk on air now. That's that burden is gone. Mm-hmm. The pain is there. The memory of it is there. But that's like uh, that's like anything else in life. Sometimes you know we move past this point in our life and we have nostalgia for it. And we miss it, but we grew from it, and that was the point of it. When that's what you know, the point of these books, the same thing. I read these books, I enjoyed these books, they were a part of me, they helped me grow as a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, they not only entertained me but inspired me. Um, but now it's time for someone else to enjoy them and experience them that way. So it's almost selfish for me to hold on to them. <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, I said I heard you when you were going through that. I went through a similar thing when we moved from a house into a, a condo that was half the size of the house, right? And, uh, we got rid of a lot of things, and my wife kept beating the "We need to get rid of some of these books" drum. I mean, you can yeah. see a little tiny bookshelf yeah. in the back. That's yeah. one of three that I have, and one of them is enormous. Yeah. And I was so happy that when we found the condo, it fit. Yeah. But I'd already given away a lot of the books, and I'm you know now happily refilling it. But you, you mentioned the responsibilities, um, and it's it's not just a responsibility for physical things. There's the responsibility. Uh, to people and tasks, uh, right. the things that we just accumulate as we live in a place for a period of time. You know, we, right. we may become responsible for helping our neighbor or uh, any, any number of things, part of a church, um, uh, where all of a sudden, instead of, you know, I'm going to go to this church on Sunday and another church the following Sunday, we always go here and now we're helping out. Right. Um, all, all those things just over the course of time add up and begin taking the time away from what may be our, our priorities. In, in your right. case, the writing, the number mm-hmm. one priority beyond uh, family and faith. Uh, when, you, when you get to the point when you're traveling, you're going to have almost none of those responsibilities. How, how freeing is that going to be for you? Well, first of all, we have this unfortunate tendency to, to gather all these responsibilities up and carry them with us the whole time we're moving around in the world because we think once we own it, once we've owned up to that responsibility, it's ours forever. Mm-hmm. But just like anything else in your life, responsibilities are something you can outgrow. Um, there may come a time where, you know, if I'm volunteering for a youth center, uh, I have to stop volunteering for that, that group, even, even if they still need me, even if they're, they're going to be shorthanded without me. Uh, my time there may be over, and I can't sacrifice the rest of my life for this one small area of my life. Now, I can help them find someone else or something. You know, I can help. There's other ways you can help. Mm-hmm. So the nature of your responsibilities changes. When we get on the road, we're not going to be free of responsibility. We've still got, you know, we have student loans to pay. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, uh, if we have a note on the RV, which seems likely, uh, we'll, we'll have to pay that. Uh, those are financial responsibilities, health care and that sort of thing. But we also have families. Um, you know, uh, my mother and my brother li- will still live in this area. Her parents and her uh, sibling uh, siblings, they still live in this area. Uh, we have responsibilities to them as well. What happens is the nature of wh- how we handle those responsibilities changes. So while we're on the road, we have to find new ways to address you know, the, the little emergencies that come up or the, you know, the questions that come up. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's part of the adventure of this. One thing that held us back for a very long time was this fear that 
if we, you know, how do we transfer the life we have to this smaller environment where we're moving all the time? Mm-hmm. That was the wrong question. And we, we finally figured out that was the wrong question. You, the whole point is to get away from the life we have. Like we don't, we don't want to just transpose, you know, the life we have where one of, you know, one or both of us goes to a job and comes home and we make dinner and we watch TV and mm-hmm. mow the lawn and, you know, repair things in the house or whatever. That The idea isn't to continue doing those things. The idea is to find a new path and create a new life and take on the new responsibilities that come along. So uh, it's really just about, you know, there's, a, there's organization that has to be done. There's, there's planning that has to be done. Uh, but it's really just about accepting that you're you're not going to have the same life you had before, and that's kind of the point. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's okay. Um, so yeah, we 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 talk about this a lot, uh, Kara and I. And you know, my life doesn't change all that dramatically, uh, believe it or not. I mean, I I'm literally just doing the same work I mm-hmm. do now. Um, there's going to be some adjustment in that we are in a smaller place. If she's around all the time, you know, we sometimes have difficulty working when we're around each other because we, we distract each other, mm-hmm. as, as every married couple should, right? Uh, so I may have to find, you know, alternatives. I may have to start writing, you know, from somewhere in the woods or <laughs> <laughs> coffee shops or, you know, whatever. I may mm-hmm. have to change sort of the routine that I have. Uh, but I'm kind of looking forward to that. And it's going to irritate me at times because I'm a creature of habit. And when that habit gets disrupted, my whole life seems to go off the rails. Uh, but that's kind of been the fun of all this. You know, my habits had to change when we moved into this apartment. Everything I was doing in my home office and studio had to be compressed down to, you know, a small kit that can sit on our uh, kitchen table. And mm-hmm. um, at first that grated on me. And then all of a sudden I realized how freeing it was because, you know, I, I had that space and I had lots of things I could do there, but now I get to rethink everything. Like what's a new way to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, what's, uh, I get new toys sometimes. I got a new piece of equipment I can use or, you know, what do I already have that I can repurpose? And that sort of thing has always been exciting to me. Like looking at the world and saying, this is what I have and this is how I've always used it. Is there a new way to use it? That's always exciting to me. So that's the way we're probably going to live for a while. <laughs> and the interesting thing, at, at least to me, is that you're doing all this around the few priorities that you set for yourself a few years ago. You know, the, the writing, right. uh, the, th- the things that are the most important to you. Those don't change. You, no, keep, you keep doing those things. You have your core. Um, and you know, sometimes it takes a while for you to discover that. Writing has always been part of my life. It's always been the through line of, of my story. Uh, I've had a pretty wide and varied career. I worked in film and television. I was an engineer, electronics engineer for a while. Um, I've worked for, you know, ExxonMobil in the oil and gas industry. I've, I've done a lot of different jobs. I was a teacher. Um, in all of those jobs, though, you could always count on me sitting down to write uh, nearly every day. I didn't start writing every single day until the past maybe five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you could always count on me constantly attempting it and constantly trying to write and keep journals. And, you know, when blogs came around, I was keeping blogs. It was always a through line in my life. So it was pretty obvious what my uh, core principles were. Um, Kara, she's still kind of figuring some of that out and I'm happy to be here to help her with it. And she's experimenting. And one of the advantages of this life is that she gets the freedom to experiment and find her mountain. And that phrase I'm borrowing from Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. uh, from his commencement speech uh, at, at University of the Arts. You know, he, he talks about 
his career being a mountain and he was constantly doing the things that moved him closer and he'd stop doing the things that moved him further away. And that's the way Kara and I decided we would live our lives. And it's so far, it's been a fun ride. And if we never manage to get on the road full time, mm-hmm. I'm a hundred percent certain we will. But if we, if that never happens, we've still enriched our lives just from taking the steps and making what journey we've made so far. And the other thing that, that may happen, I have no reason to think that this will happen, but so many times we, we plan for something, we look right. forward to doing it, we get in the middle of it and say, whoa, this isn't really what I wanted to do. Right. And you're right. in a position where because of the way you've structured your life and your lifestyle, it's easy to change. Right. The key to success is always flexibility and, and being able to pivot. And that's, that's what I've built into my life as much as possible. Um, and Kara is doing the same. We're doing the same for her career as well. Uh, and having that ability means that, you know, when things change, when something comes along and disrupts the path you're on, it's not the end of the journey. It's just a new, uh, step. It's a new branch that you can take. And that's, that's sort of the point of everyone's career. And people think of career, by the way, and I just interviewed, um, Scott Barlow from happened to your career. I had him on my, my show. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was saying, you know, when he named his show, he was thinking of the word career in its traditional definition, meaning, you know, all the things that shape your life, all, all the directions that you plan for yourself, not just your job, but, you know, everything that, that sort of folds in on itself and makes you who you are. Um, I like to think of career that way as well. I mean, it's, it, my career isn't just the books I write or the blog posts I write or the podcasts I produce. My career is all that plus anything else that, you know, makes me feel fulfilled and makes me feel alive. So. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of career I'm building, and uh, I'm, I'm actively trying to help other people do the same. All right. We mentioned early on in our discussion, we mentioned Tim Ferriss, who famously yes. wrote the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Right. Uh, he got some pushback on that title. You have right. written a book. You mentioned it earlier, The 30-Day Author. I suspect right. you got some pushback on that title as well. I did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that pe- the, uh, the people who, uh, who just cannot accept that, that – if they are unable to do it or they've been unable to do it, they, they feel that no one else can do it. Um, so, you know, like for our work week and thanks for that comparison, by the way. Um, <laughs> but like for our work week, you know, I got a little bit of flack because I, I called the book 30 day author. There are people out there who, who a don't believe someone can write a book in 30 days or B think that if you write a book in 30 days, it's going to be complete garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, or A and, and B together. Or A and B together. <laughs> right. And the, the real fact of that book isn't even about writing a book in 30 days. If you want to write a book in five days, you can do it. Um, if you want to write a book in two years, that's your prerogative as well. Mm-hmm. The point of that book is actually to develop a daily writing habit, and I talk about the benefits of that. And some of the key benefits are just things like, you know, if you're an entrepreneur – you you should have a book because the book tells it's mm-hmm. a it's, it's a simple business card basically it's a it's the ultimate business card it tells the reader you know what you're about what your brand is about it gets your philosophy out there it's tangible proof of your expertise and your authority in a subject so you know having a book as part of your business is kind of a no brainer um, the problem was always you know who wants to spend two years writing a book you know it, it doesn't do you any good two years from now you need it now 
so I break down how to do that process, you know, the whole process of writing a book. It really does come down to button seat. Uh, spoiler alert. You know? <laughs> but, <laughs> Darn it. There, I thought, sure, there'd be an easier, softer way. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was. No, actually, you know what? I don't wish there was an easier way. Um, I spent years wishing there was an easier way to write books, and mm-hmm. the result was never writing any books. But when I embraced the idea that, you know, there is a discipline to it and that there is, um, uh, you know, if you make incremental progress that you'll, you'll succeed. Once I embraced those ideas, uh, I started churning out books left and right. And, um, you know, they're, whether or not they're good books is really a matter of opinion, you know, and it's eye of beholder stuff. They're good for me. Uh, they, they do what I need them to do. They convey the story I'm trying to tell. And I'm primarily a fiction author, um, but I love to help people. And that's, and that's sincere. And what, what kills me is the number of times I come across people who, who just believe that's, that's a, a pitch, you know, or just believe that's hype. Uh, but the truth is I, I probably spend more time doing the stuff that I intend to help people which doesn't pay me anything mm-hmm. <laughs> than I do uh, doing the stuff that actually would pay my bills. So it kind of do it to my detriment. I don't think people do that if it's just a pitch. Like, I'm not trying to make you know, my fortune off of anyone uh, offering to teach them these, these techniques. Uh, I'm just, I just want them out there. But 30-day author, it's, it's essentially it's all about developing a daily writing habit. Mm-hmm. I, I propose doing things like writing a blog, writing a journal, writing daily affirmations. Um, I am a person of faith. I'm a Christian, so I, you know, I, I, uh, I like affirmations, and I like them in the form of prayers. Uh, but you know, lots of people just do affirmations that are more positive and uplifting and help them kind of get their goals straight, and I think those are cool too. Um, the, the real gist of the entire book really is take that daily habit and – uh, commit yourself to making incremental progress on the work, and you will knock the book out in whatever time frame you want. I give a formula for determining mm-hmm. how long your book should be, uh, how many words you should write each day to get it done in whatever time frame you want to write it. You can plug in any numbers you want in those spaces. If you want to write a book in 15 days, you can write it in 15 days. Most of my books are written in 15 days or less. Um, some are written in many more days than that because they're much longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I wanted to write a, even a, say, 200,000-word book, I could do that in 30 days if I was willing to commit to the number. That's going to be something like you know, eight, maybe 10,000 words a day or something, but um, it could easily be done. It's just finding, you know, it's, it's about committing the time. Mm-hmm. I almost said finding the time, which is a capital sin. No one finds time. You, you create time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you make time for the things you really want to do. And this, this sort of, you know, we, we can use this to circle all the way back to the beginning where the idea of focusing on your priorities it allows you to get those priorities, that, to accomplish those priorities. Exactly. And not be yeah. distracted by all of these other things. So you're able to do podcasting, which is the ultimate form of helping people with essentially no financial remuneration <laughs> because <laughs> nobody's this. getting rich from, from <laughs> podcasting, especially right. in the space that, uh, that, that we're in. Um, most authors are not getting rich from writing their books, especially a book on how to write a book. Um, right. The only people that are going to, to read those are, are authors, authors, and uh, you know there just aren't that many. So you know right. we write we write other books. We hope we sell a gazillion copies. We hope we you know, we make a ton of money, uh, but we do this because we love doing it. Yeah, 
I literally wouldn't do it if I didn't love doing it. It's not worth it. Um, I've only sort of incrementally increased my income over the past several years when it comes to publishing books. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm only now getting to a point where I'm making you know an, a substantial amount of money from it, and even that is variable at times. So. At any given time in my career going forward, I could end up having to just go take more copywriting work <laughs> and continue on that line of, of uh, career. But um, the uh, that's not really the point. Like I, if you're not, if I, I say this all the time, if you weren't willing to do the work for free, it's probably not the kind of work you're going to be passionate enough about to keep doing when things get hard. Um, you probably should do something else. Um, and you know, writing was always that thing that I did, no matter what. I was compelled to do it. I'm still compelled to do it, even in the worst of times in my career. I was still writing, so uh, it became pretty clear eventually that that was going to be my career. That that was going to be the work of my life. Um, I struggle sometimes with the idea that it, that it might be somehow petty. That it might be childish. You know, some of the fiction that I write might be. You know, there are people who are going out and building. You know, new space technology to get us off the planet, or building whole cities that run on solar power. And I'm writing about guys who can, you know, uh, uh, touch you and know everything that you know, or whatever. And so there's a kind of imbalance in my head sometimes. But then I realize that you know every little contribution to make the world better is actually a good contribution, a big contribution. And I try to encourage the people that I. Uh, help through my podcast, through my books, through coaching. I try to encourage them to think the same way. This thing that you're doing is not just about, you know, it's not a get rich quick scheme by any means. It's about making a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs would say. Mm-hmm. And every little dent is is still a dent. <laughs> so go out and grab your hammer and make some noise. Kevin, where can people find you online? Easiest place to find me online is kevintumlinson.com. Um, that's the hub for all things Kevin Dumlinson, including the Wordslinger podcast. There's a podcast button right there. You there is. Shows. Yeah. There is. And now you've committed to this daily, um, this, this daily practice of, of blogging. So yes. I, I know I put you in my RSS feed. So if there's a, if there's a missing day, it's going to turn up on, on you my need end. To, you need to let me know because <laughs> this is not an easy thing to commit to, as, as you probably know. Um, and I'm trying to do it in such a way. I, I, I'm, I want to do it more like uh, Seth Godin does, where mm-hmm. I, I don't do an epic blog post every day. But I'm in such a habit of when I sit down to write, it turns into an epic blog post. So so far, they haven't been like the short one paragraph posts that I thought they were going to be. They've usually been a few pages, <laughs> and that's that's probably for the best. I don't know that they need to be a few pages, but I, I don't know that many people can get away with what Seth does on a probably on a daily not. basis. No, but I, I would like to keep it manageable so that I'm not dreading the page each day. But so far I've been doing it for a couple of weeks now, uh, two or three weeks. And, um, I've had some, some success in being excited about it each day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it helped tremendously that I had already developed a daily writing habit. So I just folded mm-hmm. this in. <laughs> it wasn't anything any different than what I was doing before. It's just, you know, it's a little bit of additional writing, but it is something um, I was already doing, so it, it feels natural to me. And I think that's the key for anyone who wants to do something like that. If you um, practice a habit from the beginning, when you want to expand on it, it's going to be a lot easier for you. So 
if that makes sense. I, it made sense to me when I mm-hmm. when it was in my head, but when I said it, it didn't quite make as much sense. <laughs> no, it, ma- it makes perfect sense to me. And, and for those people who don't have a daily writing habit yet, I mean, that's a way of starting into one, especially if you commit to doing it and it's you're writing in public, essentially. You write it and you hit that publish button. Yeah, and there's something about public ac- accountability mm-hmm. that really keeps you on your toes. Yep. Kevin, thanks so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.